Father, this morning we are desperately wishing, Lord, and just desiring to have communion with you and to dwell in your presence. Lord, please come speak to us. Speak loud and clear in such a way that we might be able to sense your presence, but also hear your words that they may impact our hearts to such degree that we may live like you lived and that we may do as you did. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we're going back to the book of Acts. But before we get to the actual passage that we're going to study today, I want to sort of give a recap because I noticed that in the room there are people that have not been here for a couple weeks. And so I think it would be helpful as we study and we go through the book of Acts for us to have a little bit of a recap so that we would, so that we would know how we got here. And so how the story that we're going to read this morning fits within the context of the overall narrative surrounding the book of Acts as we are getting ready to set the stage. So Acts chapter 1, we read about the promise of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus gives his final message, a message, a final charge to the disciples of hope and power. And then after that charge, Jesus ascends to heaven and the disciples return back to Jerusalem to the upper room and join others as they wait in prayer for the promise of the Father. But then in chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, we are introduced to a story where it says that it was Pentecost and a community of believers, they were all there and the community of believers were all gathered together. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing wind that filled the house and all that were gathered were filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a consequence, the disciples began to speak in different languages and the crowd that was there, multi-ethnic Jews that were there. They all come together as Peter begins to preach this powerful sermon of repentance with conviction. And the Bible says, that when the crowd heard this, they were just cut to the heart. And they repented. And they were baptized for forgiveness. And the Bible says that they received the Holy Spirit. And as a result of Peter's preaching and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people were baptized in a new community of multi-ethnic, multi cultural community of believers is formed. And that's how we get to Acts chapter 3. Join me now. Acts chapter 3. Acts 3, starting verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called what? Beautiful. To ask alms for those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. 
So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have to, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What did he say? Rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received what? Strength. So he leaped up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising, the Bible says. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 are conducted in four different acts. Luke masterfully, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. And Luke masterfully, as though he was shooting a movie, presents the first scene. Here is the first scene. And in the scene, we see Peter and John are going to the temple. It is the hour of prayer. Verse 1, it was the hour of prayer. And they were going to the temple. What does the Bible say? They were going to pray. This was a common Jewish tradition for the Jews of that time. Luke mentions that it was the ninth hour. So now, students of the Bible, help me out. If it was the ninth hour, what hour was it? It was three in the afternoon. And so, one, that was one of the three daily times of prayer. So the other times were 9 a.m., and the other time was at sunset. So students of the Bible might recall the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And it's familiar to us because when we study the Bible and we study Luke, we study Daniel chapter 6, precisely uh, verse 10, we realize that in that story of Daniel in the lion's den, we sa- it says there that Daniel prayed three times a day. We also look at the Psalms and we notice that many specifically mention praying in the morning and in the evening. So the apostles continuing to visit the temple at the time designated for prayer shows that the apostles were respectful of the ceremonial time of prayer. I wonder if this is something that we can incorporate in our day. Praying three times a day. Sometimes it seems kind of odd for us. And we might be real good in doing devotions in the morning. But then what happens with our walk with Jesus throughout the day? Do we have devotions during the day? Do we think about God? Do we pray to Him during the day? Or is it just in the morning? Do we go when we go to sleep and we rest and we lay our head in the pillow? Do we talk to God? Do we pray? To him, this is real neat, you know, to see this 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 life of prayer being lived out through the whole day, not just in the morning, morning, noon, and evening. But then 
Like just like in a movie, in the scene, we see a crippled man that he is lying there at the temple gate asking for alms, basically asking for money or for food from everyone who was there entering the temple. And Peter and John were just walking and they were going towards the temple. And as they're going to the temple, the Bible says that Peter performs a remarkable miracle and the man is healed. And what is, what is the reaction of the man? The man begins to praise God and jumps for joy. And all three of them, the man, John, and Peter, walk into the temple together. Imagine this. And then that's camera one. And then the scene cuts to camera two. And that's the end of scene one. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3, 11. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, the Bible says, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Here, scene number two, and in this scene we see in this passage, it is so similarly structured to the experience of Pentecost. Do you recall Acts chapter two? By the fact that we see the crowd rushing towards them because something extraordinary had taken place. We notice that Peter begins to preach with boldness and power in a Christ-centered message, painting and pointing to Jesus as the Messiah and a call to conversion and proclaiming salvation in Jesus and the soon coming of his second coming, of his soon return. And then the scene cuts to camera three, and, the, and that's the end of scene number two. Acts chapter four. Verses 1 through 4. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught that the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already, what does the Bible say? Evening. However, Many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Here is scene number three. We, scene number three. We notice that Peter and John had been preaching and teaching in the temple for three hours. Remember that all of this journey, all of this story, when did it happen? It happened in the ninth hour. That's three in the afternoon. So all of these events are happening together. If we, if we were just to study the first part of Acts chapter 3, then we are really limiting ourselves because this is a complete story. The, con- the story continues. So now we are in scene number three. And so since three o'clock, when Peter and John walked into the temple, they had been in the temple for how much hours? Three hours. And they were preaching and teaching about the resurrection of Jesus. And the evening drew quickly. 
And with that, the work of the Sanhedrin had stopped. So Peter and John were placed into custody. But in spite of the opposition, we see that the Holy Spirit accomplished his work in the hearts of the people. Because how does the verse end? It ends with people believing and the increase of numbers of people who were believing grew from 3,000 to 5,000 and the mission continued. And so the next day we see that Peter and John, as they spent the night in jail, as they spent the night in prison, we see that the next day they are brought to face the Sanhedrin, the highest court in Israel, a gathering of political authorities, rulers, elders, lawyers, scribes, as well as the highest religious authorities of their day. They all had gathered together with one intention and one intention only to question them. And that's how we get to the text this morning. Thank you, Peggy, for reading that text. Verse 8, Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people of and elders of Israel. Who is Peter addressing in this story? He is addressing the people who are there in the Sahedrian the rulers, the religious rulers of his day. If this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, This man stands here before you all. Imagine the scene. Peter, John, and the man that was crippled and is now walking is there all in front of the Sahedrian and that man is standing next to them as they're being questioned. Just imagine the scene. And then he continues. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor there is salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven uh, given among men by which we must be safe. And in that moment, the religious leaders recognized that they had been with Jesus. Who are these people? Why are they talking about Jesus? They realize that it says in the Bible, if you you go with me to Acts chapter 4, it says there in the Bible that they realize that they were unschooled men and that they had been with Jesus, that they were ordinary men, that they were astonished and they took note of these men that they had been with Jesus. And then the scene cuts to camera four, and that's the end of scene number three. And so now we are launched into the final scene. And this is the final scene, scene number four, which starts in verse 23. And we notice, and we notice here, However, before going into this scene, we notice that as they recognized that they had been with Jesus, what did Peter do? 
he still continued to preach about Jesus. He insisted that the leaders would accept salvation, the messages of of salvation that they commanded them not to speak at all or to teach about Jesus. This is very important because the the leaders were were enraged. They were amazed, but they were also then they forbade them to talk about Jesus. And so we see that hours after hours of questioning, they could find no wrong. And Peter and John are released and they are let go. And then that's when the scene cuts and the camera turns to camera four and that's the end of the scene three. So now in the scene four, we see that Peter and John return to the community of believers. That's starting in verse 23, chapter 4, verse 23. Peter and John return to the community of believers, and what is the first thing that they began to do? They began to pray. Imagine, they began to pray, and they, they, they pray with boldness, believing. I don't know in your life if you have always, or if you had a chance in your life where you've gone through something so hard so difficult that you prayed with boldness, believing that what you were praying, God was going to do. And we see that the prayer is surprising because the prayer is nothing how you would realize. Because in this prayer, the request is not for deliverance. Many times in our prayer, we pray for deliverance when we're going through trials and tribulations. When we see this story, this, this story just impressed me so much. It captivates my heart because we see that when they pray, they, they do not pray and their request is not for deliverance, but instead they ask for strength to come from God and trusting them for them to get through whatever it is that they're going through. And it does not, and this, and this request is not a request for power to work miracles, but to ask God to accomplish them. You realize that this prayer and this request, they're, they're not intended to serve the believers, but to glorify and to exalt God through the name of Jesus, the holy servant of Jesus. The whole explanation, the whole reason of their prayer is not to be delivered but it's to have strength. The whole reason of, of their praying is not just to be delivered or to have miracles, but to exalt and glorify Jesus. I wonder in our personal time of prayer, if we too spend time praying that God would be with us, that God would de- not, only de- not just deliver us, but that God would accomplish His miracles in our lives. I wonder... If in our moments of prayer, if we practice a selfless prayer of faith that answers with power and accordings to his requests. So the, the conclusion for this morning is simple. When we look at the story of the ancient church, we see that the mission did not progress without obstacles. We see all of this story, and we see that one thing led to another, but the mission progressed without, did not progress without obstacles. 
Peter and John were living ordinary lives, going to the temple and joining others in prayer. And then an opportunity came to share Jesus with a man who was lying in the temple gate. And we see that Peter and John were preaching with power. People coming into repentance, believing in Jesus. And we see them being thrown in prison for their faith. Facing the Sanhedrin, the highest court of Israel. And after hours of questioning, getting released and returning to the community of believers. How they prayed. They did not pray for deliverance from their difficulties, but for the ability to overcome them. Verse 31 says that when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled, where they were gathered together, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. The reason that Luke wants to show this, the reason that Luke wants to highlight this, is to let us know that there is obstacles that are always going to come our way. But we can overcome them with courage, with faith, and with prayer. And that will give us the hope for us to finish the mission. So as our final appeal this morning, what the church what the modern church of today, what it needs are people who have courage, people who have faith, people who stand firm on God. To live in a counter-cultural way and follow the way of Jesus. Nowadays, we need courage and we need faith. What the church needs today is courage and faith on two levels. First, in our personal walk with Jesus. And second, as a church. In our personal time with Jesus, as we live, we have courage and faith to be spiritual people who are not ashamed of the gospel and have the courage to live out their faith in a culture that often undermines God. Dallas Willard says, The greatest issue facing the world today, with all its heartbreaking needs, is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from Him how to live the life of the kingdom of heaven into every corner of human existence. We are constantly being bombarded with different things in our life. Constantly. How we're going to respond. The reality is that we can no longer stay hidden from the offers of beliefs and values of this world. Whether we live in a rural community or in a suburban community, that won't do the trick anymore because we carry something that is called a cell phone and we carry the internet everywhere what the modern church needs today are people who are spiritual people who pray people who have courage and faith people who are willing to finish the mission people who are unapologetically live the way of Jesus 
So in the, in the invitation this morning is simple. Lord, I want to have courage to face whatever is going on in my life. Lord, give me courage to fight for you. Give me courage to live for you. Lord, give me courage. But finally, Lord, give me faith. Give me faith to believe and to trust in you, that you are true, that you are real, that what you said that you will do, you will do in my life. And finally, prayer. And I believe that if we have courage, faith, and prayer, then we will be able to finish the mission. And Jesus will come soon. And the invitation will continue always and always, repeating every day to always come to Jesus because He's the only one that saves. He's the only one that saves. So however it is that your walk is this morning, Jesus is inviting you to come back. Come back. Daughter, come back. Son, come back to the Father's arms and let Him embrace you and love you and care for you. Our Father in Heaven, we are so glad that we have the opportunity not just to come before you, but that you are constantly calling us, wooing us, bringing us back. And Lord, we ask in such a mighty um, and humble way this morning that you will give us courage, that you would give us faith, and to be people, spiritual people of prayer, that we can come to you, Lord so that we can finish the mission and go home. Jesus, that is our desire. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.